Cross Training, where we look at faith and practice through a biblical lens. I'm Matthew Thompson. And I'm Tanner Higgins. And we're back with a UCYC episode, so you'll have to excuse any ambient noise, background, uh, fans, air conditioning, although I don't see why we would need air conditioning. This is the one cold week we've ever had at church camp. 55 degrees. Yeah. I'm freezing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we, uh, we have a new interview style episode here with a familiar voice from uh, last week's episode. This is Adam Clagg with us today. It's actually yesterday's episode, but well, you know, yeah. time's different right now. Now we're living in the twilight zone. That is almost, true. You know. Yeah. But uh, yeah. But uh, now, I'm going to be honest. I'm borderline ignorant towards our subject today. I know that we're going to be kind of focused on family uh, ministries. I guess is the word that could be thrown out there. Uh, Adam Clack, he's a you're a representative, are you not? I am for for D6. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah. could you give us just a, a brief introduction to what D6 is? Okay, uh, D6 is a discipleship movement um, based out of Deuteronomy 6, using that uh, passage that talks about from the Shema about love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And after that, Moses says, and you need to teach these laws to your children. And so we're talking, we're looking, trying to help families and help churches see what's the right role in discipleship, making disciples. Do we do that through Sunday school? Is that working? Do we do it through small groups? Is that working? Are we really making disciples? What should we do? So that's what uh, that's what D6 is doing. We're trying to help as many people as we can, through, especially to church, churches and family, through what we like to call gen- generational discipleship. Mm. So we're gonna we got some questions for yep, you. I sent you some questions, and I think we sent these questions yeah. so that we're not just going off the fly. Yeah, you know, the yeah. last episode we did off the fly, fantastic conversation uh-huh. we had with you. And yeah, Adam. I enjoyed it. Thank you for inviting. Awesome. Me. Yeah, it was good. Uh, but with set questions, I think yeah. you have more being prepared to yeah. give a good answer. So I know? should have prepared. I'm oh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, but one of the things we kind of want to talk about, which D6, you yeah. know, Deuteronomy chapter 6, you know, we talk about discipling. And, right. and even though Matthew says, you know, he, he doesn't have any children, right. but he's still part of this as teaching children yeah. and, and help teaching. So he's still part Absolutely. of it. So one of the questions I'd, I'd like to ask, and I know this is very, I'd like to start with something more of a simplicity uh-huh. type uh, question, is like how can discipleship be implemented uh, within the body of Christ? Well, we look at discipleship in a local church setting, mm-hmm. um, and that's how one of the ways we try to get through through the D6, because most churches are doing some type of discipleship now. Most families aren't doing it well, and most churches are trying. Um, what's happened in the past 50 years, 100 years, is that the families have decided to give that job of discipling, training the kids to the church. Mm-hmm. So here, here's my kid, fix them. Uh, and it doesn't work. It's like a daycare program. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's not the plan. It wasn't God's, never was God's plan for the church to raise your children. It's not biblical. Um, so we know it's not biblical, and we know it doesn't work because we're seeing results here now a generation or two later that the kids who grew up in the church didn't stay in church. Many have left the faith completely. Um, so we're having a second look, saying, okay, well, what went wrong? In the past, you know, in the past, and so a lot of in the D6 movement, discipleship movement, family ministry, kind of synonymous, all these these different terms, Um, family ministry, generational discipleship, and say, okay, where did we go wrong? Let's go back to the very beginning, and that's going back to Deuteronomy when 
we're talking about the law like we talked about in the last episode um, where God is delivering the law to his people through Moses and Moses said here's the law love God with all your heart all your soul all your strength and then teach these to your children mm-hmm. and that, then it says how to just put it on the doorpost to your house mm-hmm. you know put it um, uh, as tell it to them while you're walking along the way tell them the law when they wake up in the morning when they go to bed at night so you have it wherever you are you can talk to the people your children about God you know whatever you're doing you can have teachable moments um, so there's all kinds of ways that we can disciple church is limited to like you know one hour one hour can fix a kid one hour can fix an adult you know, we need a whole lot more than that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so um, that's one thing we look at with, with generational discipleship is bringing what we do at church home, taking it home, sending it home, and, and actually saying, can we do it better? Well, I know in Israel, which I mean, compared to, yeah. you know, keep it on your doorpost, you know, yeah. think about it constantly. When you're eating, when you go on yeah. the road with, when, with Deuteronomy 6, and I remember when I was in Israel, mm-hmm. I can't remember the name of the actual thing that they have it, and I got I got yeah, one, yeah. which is kind of funny. Yeah. But I put it on my doorpost. Yeah, but yeah. it's the yeah, it's the Shema. It's the this the, the, the sh- quote the quote called? from Deuteronomy. It's the Shema estate. Yeah, yeah, we would say yeah, um, and so they would have that. Yeah, they put it on the doorpost. Even every today. doorpost. Yeah, every Jew, doorpost. Yeah, Jewish people, yeah, all over the world still yeah. do it literally to remind themselves that as as we go through our life yeah. daily, we're becoming disciples. It's not just a Sunday morning thing mm-hmm. and Sunday school. So uh, I guess spurring off of the you know discipleship being implemented and stuff like that, so yeah. has this discipleship, how does that correlate with unity in the church? Okay. So, you know, taking discipleship and like what we've talked about, and I think discipleship, that's kind of what this podcast is trying to do. Yeah. And what we want to do is we want to disciple each other yeah uh, so how does that does it relate to unity at all or is that just something that we're we're just making up that unity is just a, I think so. as Matthew would say a buzzword yeah I think so because when most uh, in a traditional church we would think about discipleship as being done in t- some type of a small group setting uh, like Sunday school or a catechism class or just something formal when they people could meet and they learn. Discipleship is learning. And so we gotta remember that it's a process. Mm-hmm. It's something that's gonna take time. It's not like a spiritual experience you have like when you got saved or when you were baptized. You know, this isn't just a moment. This is um, a process. Mm-hmm. It's learning. And so unity, you can if you're in a group and you're growing in Christ together, that's very unified. Mm-hmm. And um, also when you have a church that's not doing anything but worshiping, only having church, they're not having any classes, no Uh, discipleship at all, they're sort of unified around experience, emotion, traditions, you know, the stuff that they like. And so so you have that unifying factor, but that's uh, one of the things we, we look at in family ministry is an error in church ministry is the silo effect where you have a silo of like a circle of the worship service it's by itself then Sunday school it's by itself the women's ministry it's by itself and they're all they're not connected at all just the stuff that we do because we've always done them and the church should be unified 
So it takes, um, it has to be on purpose, you know, it has to be on purpose. And so we don't want a silo effect, um, but also not only just the different ministries, but the people. You don't want the people segmented apart. And that happens a lot in youth. You know, if you have a good, strong youth program uh, where you have the adult church and the, and the youth group, and they're totally separate from each other. And youth group is very cool and very fun. Then you grow up, you graduate, <laughs> and then you have to then leave. Then it's boring. It's like, what Absolutely. in the world is Yeah, because yeah, real church isn't as fun, you mm. know. And you usually lose a lot. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. there's people that were in your youth group, just like we're in mine, that are not in church today. Or those that, I'm speaking from experience, yeah. those that moved from on, on the youth group, but yet they never moved on from <laughs> yeah, the youth group. That's true. You know? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, so that's one thing we look at is that discipleship can be unifying. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you're strategic, if you have a plan about how you want to disciple um, people, how you want to teach them, and so it can be an all-church experience of um, we're going to grow in Christ together. It doesn't have to always be in the same. You're not in the same room. But you have the same um, trajectory, same plan, same. We're going to go like the way we do with our curriculum, usually through curriculum. It's a great way to do it, is that you can have a curriculum that's based around a theme, and you're going through the same theme together. Does that make sense? So, for example, this Sunday's theme could be some, could be a topic of grace. Mm-hmm. And the adults, the teens, the kids all learned about the same topic of grace. Mm-hmm. Different lessons taught at a different level. Um, maybe even different scriptures. But as a church, we all learned about grace. So you learned about that in your Sunday school or small group, whatever it is. The pastor also is on board. So the sermon is on the same theme or he brings out some points from his sermon knowing that they just came out of Sunday school learning about grace. Yeah. I'm going to bring out some things in the sermon about grace. Well, we're hope, what we hope and what we help do is take that home, send that home. So throughout the week, the parents and the kids, the grandparents, we all know, hey, we all talked about grace this Sunday. And what we would try to do is encourage the parents, help the parents, train the parents, give them the tools they need to disciple their kids, and say, well, let's talk, let's, let's intentionally talk about grace this week. Because we all learned about it at church Sunday. And that that's unifying within a family. Oh, for sure. And also unifying with the church. Because if you then, if you get a couple of families together, go out to eat, you know, people come over for a barbecue, whatever. We all learned the same thing on Sunday, on purpose. We knew we were talking about grace, and we know next week uh, we're, we're talking about the law and sin, you know, and, but you know where you're going, you know, what we're learning about. So you have an overarching plan of growth. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. yeah. We apologize for the squeaking table because there's old men over there plotting and planning. So for our <laughs> listeners, we apologize for the squeak, squeaking table. Uh, it could be just Adam's old joints. Yeah, 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 old man. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, so when you, when you talk about discipleship and, yeah. and talking about this D6 and, mm-hmm. you know, in, in, in theory, and I'm sure in practice that you've seen that it's just, it, it, it's it's working. You yes. see that people are communicating. It does work, and stuff yeah. like that. So, and, and I, that's, that's phenomenal. And mm-hmm. uh, our own church has actually implemented uh, mm-hmm. the D6 program, which mm-hmm. is which is fantastic. And I know there's, there, there's, there's, the, 
the failing part is on our part. You know, sometimes we drop yeah. the ball on certain things. Absolutely. And, uh, like, I'll give an example. We we were supposed to teach out of the book this past week, but since yeah. the COVID stuff. Oh, yeah. We lost the book. <laughs> I, so Matthew's the only one that had the book, yeah. and I was teaching. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. it's like, there's no extra book. Yeah, yeah. So he had yeah. to send me pictures. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. of course, the the failed part is on is on right. the human nature. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, and you're talking... Uh, so how, how how have you seen that discipleship has worked? Now remove let's remove D six and okay. let's talk about the principle okay. of discipleship. Okay. So how have you seen as a pastor, or just as a leader in the, in the church, uh-huh. uh, have you how have you seen discipleship work and then fail? And work how can and we fail? And okay. then how can we learn from those failures? Okay, uh, I've been at the same church for a while, um, and so I've seen we've tried different things, just like everybody. We all try we try different stuff to see what's going to work. Um, I've seen discipleship work well when everyone's on board. We know what we're doing. Uh, kind of like when you're in school, when you're in college and get a syllabus, you know where you're going for the next four months. Mm-hmm. Um, you know every assignment that's going to happen. You know what day things are due. And some professors, you know, they don't remind you of anything. They've given you the syllabus. It's your own fault. Um, and same way with some discipleship plans that if everyone's on board, you're all going the same direction. That um, it could be successful, mm-hmm. and and you know, and everybody understands what discipleship is. That it's not just a, an experience. It's not just a Sunday morning thing. It's I'm committing myself to grow in Christ. I'm never going to graduate. We're not going to become apostles. We're disciples. We're always going to be disciples. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so we continue growing. So I've seen that be a positive thing that when everyone's on board. So the unity, like you are talking about earlier. I've seen it fail in ways where, well, we just quit doing it. Because sometimes it's harder. People are in, Some people are very independent when they're teachers. You know, they want to do their own thing. And so that's okay. I've done that too. But knowing that there's something cool when we're all united together, it could be a good thing. Um, sometimes things fail because people get cheap. Cheap back to how? Like, like curriculum. Because now we have so much that's for free on the internet that people say, you know, especially during the COVID thing, let's just take a break from paying for this curriculum. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I could find something for free to teach on the internet. Oh, come on, it can't be yeah. that much to say, oh, our growth in Christ. Well, yeah, right exactly. I'm going to sacrifice yeah. uh, not paying this much, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a, that's a natural tendency, right? Yeah. To, to want to, we want to, of course, we want to be good stewards, you know, of, the, of God's money and, and of our time also. Um, but not, I, I'm a big believer in curriculum. Um, it's hard to you. Y'all both you both oh, are man. teachers. Yeah. Teaching's hard. It's not easy. Any age group, babies, toddlers, uh, school age, high school, college, adults, older adults. Yeah. Every age is hard. Um, I taught the. Uh, we're here at camp now. You know, I, I taught the older. So I guess what 10, 11, 12 year olds today. That was a tough class. It's hard. Tough crowd, it's, tough it's, crowd. Yeah, exactly. It's hard to keep their attention. And remember, you know what's important yeah. to them. You know what's, and so you have to think through every little thing of keeping their attention. You know what jokes are going to work. What illustrations make sense. You know, because some you know you can't use an illustration from thirty years ago, some oh. TV show. You know that's not going to work. Mine in PI. Uh, I mean, in yeah, PI exactly. Work. Yeah. Um, that's some ways that I've seen it fail. Other ways I've seen it fail is people get too serious 
about the discipleship, like for a new converts class or um, or a leadership class. Some people think, ah, I'm in a leadership class now. They're preparing me to be a leader. You know, I'm going to be a deacon. I'm going to be an elder. I'm going to be a leader in the church. So they think going to the class, and once I finish, I'm super spiritual now. You know, (laughs) (laughs) so I've got this certificate. And and I remember I've led a group before like that. And and there's a few people. There was one woman in particular. It's a long time ago. And we did a spiritual gift survey as part of the um, uh, inventory. You know, as part of the uh, uh, part of the course. And she ended up having every spiritual gift. Oh, man. Man. <laughs> the only person Supernatural, yeah. man. <laughs> the only person in all of Christianity that has every <laughs> spiritual gift besides Jesus. So that could be one way I've seen it fail, you know, yeah. when they don't get what discipleship is. Hmm. Discipleship is constantly learning and growing, just like the disciples did. They yeah. stayed with Jesus. They messed up, of course, uh, but they stayed with him. They hmm. followed him. It's all about following. So it sounds like humility is big. And discipleship. Oh, absolutely. On, yeah. yeah. On the one who's well, the being discipled yeah. and the discipler. Yeah, it's just like learning. You have a teacher and a learner. Mm-hmm. You, you have both sides. And so you need to have, and everybody needs to know their role too. Because sometimes, I know you've, we've all th- three taught classes before, and we've been students in classes before. And so we need to know our role. Nobody likes to be the, you don't want to be in a class where someone is supposed to be the student and they try to take over the class. Um, in discipleship, you know, we, we see the example of Jesus. He was the one in charge, you know. They followed what he said. They listened to what he said. They messed up. I mean, they tried to do stuff on their own. You know, hey, we went out and did this. And he's like, no, don't, don't do that. <laughs> don't do it that way. Now, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll ask you this. This isn't on the question. So, yep. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll shoot you a, 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 what is it? a curveball. Okay, there we go. And I know, and I, talking with Matthew, um, you know, off air. I know that he, he struggles with this with classes sometimes. Yeah. As a preacher going into different churches, yeah. you know, and preaching, uh, I think that is still somewhat parallels to what Matthew sometimes experienced. Mm-hmm. So, as even though I'm, I'm a guy that preaches, I'm a layman that goes out and, and preaches to different churches, I'm still doing some form of discipleship. Okay? Absolutely, yeah. So, how can us as teachers and preachers, how can we go somewhere or teach a group that in our the way that we're seeing them respond, it's just like, are you even listening? Right. Is there any kind of actual growth that I'm? Is am I just speaking to walls? Am I speaking to rocks? So, how can teachers and preachers learn from this um, this thorn in the flesh <clears throat> or this pebble yeah. in the shoe? Yeah. Well, t- teaching and preaching is yes yeah, a gift, but it's also something you have to work at, mm-hmm. and you have to learn just like any. Body, you have to learn to read the room. You know, see where people are, and it's harder, of course, when you're just traveling around. Like when a here at camp, when an evangelist shows up, he, has, he doesn't know us, he doesn't know who we are, where we are. Um, but so you you try to figure that out, try to figure out who, what the setting is, who's listening, um, are they responding? But also knowing that there's some fundamentals, there's some things that are just absolutely true, and you stick to the things that are absolutely true. Mm-hmm. You try to explain it. You try to teach it. You try to preach it however you can. Um, as we know that truth, there is absolute truth. That is part of the Christ, biblical Christian worldview. There is absolute truth. And so when we put out the truth and we try our very best to explain it, um, we do need to work hard at it. Because mm-hmm. it's not just going to automatically work. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we learn, we grow, and we just keep on trying. So I... Uh, 
one thing, I, this this uh, question, I had I had, I had some copies okay. out, and my dad, yeah. he saw the copies, yeah. and he picked it up and said, uh, I wonder how Adam Clagg is going to answer this. Let me let me see if I can answer this yeah. for Adam yeah. Clagg. Yeah. And one of the questions uh, was, uh, can you disciple those that have not come to Jesus yet? And he's like, hmm, this is going to be a yes or no question. So w- what is your response? No. So you don't think you can discipleship people that have not come to Christ yet? No. Okay, no, so not discipleship. No, they can learn. They can okay. grow. Anybody, so what's can, the difference? anybody can learn and grow. Well, discipleship is learning to be like Jesus. You're growing in your faith. Those that don't have Jesus yet, they can't grow in faith. Okay. They don't have salvific faith inside of them. Um, so, But there are Bible scholars who aren't saved. You know, That's true. You know, there That's are people true. who write Bible textbooks that are used in seminaries who say, I'm not a believer in Jesus, but I'm a Bible scholar. And that's my job. That's my career. So is discipleship like, a time of edification? Like, discipleship is, is, is a combination of growing, of learning. You're learning about the Bible. You're learning about theology. You're learning about God. Mm-hmm. You're growing closer. Um, but it's not just the spiritual aspect. It is knowledge, too. Mm-hmm. You are learning what the Bible says. So it's sense. two things together of the spiritual growth and Absolutely. the knowledge growth. So you can have all the knowledge in the world and not Absolutely. have a care in the world about yeah. Christ and, and right. his teachings. And right. All. Yeah. So, so yeah, so I'd say somebody super smart, you know, they're a scholar of okay. the Bible. Uh, wouldn't consider them a disciple because a disciple member is a follower, not just a learner. Learners are part of it, but they're a following learner. Huh. That makes sense. So there's not really a Christianese terminology for someone that's not a, a Christian and like say like a, a five-year-old has not come to Christ or right. a six-year-old and let's say that they are that age accountability mm-hmm. and you know they're in Sunday school they're learning these things right but they're not being technically discipled so right they're being taught of the right. things of Jesus but they're not being discipled Right, so we'd say that's part of the discipleship process, okay. maybe of the church or the, or the family, you know, because you're um, you have you know young young child. I have young children, mm-hmm. and so if they not to that an age where they can understand what we would call the you know, age of accountability, you're setting some foundation, you know, of what of faith, and that type of you know faith is um, caught, not taught. If that makes sense. That initial. And so you're hoping to just set that foundation of gotcha. biblical truth. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. But, sure but I could be very wrong. But <laughs> we make it all wrong. Yeah. But I think that uh, I know. I think to be a disciple, you have to be a, a believer, a believer in Jesus. Why don't you go ahead and read Deuteronomy 6. I mean, this is the D6 anthem, I guess. Uh, this is uh, coming out of the... Well, just give me just a second. Okay, this is coming out of the CSB. Starting in verse 4, God's Word says, Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words I am giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. 
So with that being the, the backing for D6, I guess kind of the, the way to introduce that is uh, regardless of if you base some scripture as like the slogan of some sort of uh, ministry kit or curriculum, uh, some people could easily accuse you of like saying, oh, you're just going for like the general theme of a verse to like sound cool. I mean, D6 does sound cool. Right. I mean, let's be honest here. Um, would you say that these verses are realistic or are they outdated in our culture? Like, can we get something modernly relevant from yeah, that today? That's a good question. That's a good question because a lot of people would say, well, this is pretty new. You know, I grew up in church. D6 is relatively a new thing. You know, if it was the biblical way, why haven't I heard of this before now? Yeah. You know, and so it's a uh, it's a good question, and so that's why we would go. That's why we went back to it, because what we were doing in the local church, of giving the job of training our children to the church, let's hire a professional youth guy, let's hire a professional uh, children's minister, let them teach the kids, let them train our children. It didn't work. So then we think, okay, it didn't work. So what does work? So then that was they've done research and stuff. But of course, as a person who believes, you know, in a biblical Christian worldview, you want to go to Scripture to see what it says too, um, and, and actually go from there instead of finding my opinion and try to pull a verse out, you know. And so going back to that, you see that it's um, commandment. It's uh, these aren't um, question. There aren't question marks at the end of these sentences, <laughs> yeah. you know. And so it says, "Teach these, uh, teach this." That's the main, the main teaching of verse four. That you know, hero Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Um, so that's that's a big deal. That's that's one thing that set the Jews, the Israelites, apart from other religions. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody else in the you know in the world worshipped all kinds of gods, but God said, "The Lord your God is one." That set them apart and also made them different, particular, strange, which is a good thing because yeah. it helped spread the good news. Like, oh, yeah, the Israelites, they're the ones who worship only one God? <laughs> Tell me about that. You know, it's different. And so then, it, then they, you know, God continues saying, about, oh, what do we do about this one God? You love him. You love God. How do you love him? With everything you have, your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, Jesus repeated that, and so that makes it for us as Christians, okay, this isn't just a Jewish thing. This wasn't just a 5,000-year-ago thing. Jesus reiterated it. We're followers of Jesus. Um, and and it also was instructive how to do it. And verse 6 says, these commandments I give you are to be on your hearts. So it's not just the head thing of knowledge. It's a heart thing. So we can put God's law on our heart. And he says, here's some ways to do it. The way you pass the faith, the law down to the next generation, is by teaching the children. And not just the children, your children. Mm. Your children. And and, and it gave neat examples of, you know, when they when you're at home, when you're walking along the road, so wherever you are, um, and, and and however you're living your life, so, you know, tie them on your hands and on your foreheads. And some of the, and the Jewish people, different, yeah, Orthodox Jews will still have. You'll see sometimes they'll have With those you know, boxes, boxes on, on their head. head. Yeah. Looks like little tiny. Heads. Yeah, and in, yeah, and inside <laughs> of them, and inside of there are little scrolls with this verse oh, really? on okay. it. Yeah, and it's just a constant reminder um, that we're, we worship one God. We worship one God. Um, and, you know, it's like what we talked earlier about, you know, write it on the door frames of your houses and on your gates, um, knowing that God 
of course, Jewish, you know, this is in Deuteronomy, they worship, they had their special day of worship, of course, was Saturday. Um, and they had a place to worship um, with the tabernacle at this time. Later, they had the temple. Um, so they had a, day, a place to worship and a day to worship. But here we see even from the beginning, it wasn't about the place or the day. It's every day, all day. You have a connection with God. And so that was always God's plan. It wasn't always about Jerusalem. It wasn't always about the temple. It wasn't always about Saturday. God's always wanted a daily relationship. So now here in the 21st century, we're looking to see, okay, how do we pass the faith down to the next generation? Well, how does God want us to do it? So we can say, well, what did the Bible say? And the Bible says, teach, teach your children. So, children. so with the children yeah. in mind, let's talk about the children. Yeah. <laughs> so why are the children important? Why is it important to direct this faith in the teachings? And I want to, there's there's two sub-questions I kind of want to talk about a little yeah. bit. So one of the things is that I've heard people, or at least comments, I've mm-hmm. heard people say in like on Facebook comments, yeah. not, not on our Facebook page, yeah. but yet yeah, just yeah. comments in general saying, well, my child is just too young for theology. Well, my mm. child is just too young for yeah. a doctrine discussion. And so that's one aspect. I guess mm-hmm. I guess you can answer that first. And then the second one would be, so it's important to raise children up in the way they should go. Right. And, you know, and as a father, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say, okay, you get to choose today uh, if you want to eat or not to eat. I'm, you're yeah. not going to choose today to have pizza, pretzels, or a cheeseburger. I'm going to place something in front of you until right. you've reached a certain age, and then you can think for yourself. Yeah. So as a parent, I've kind of, I've, I've really thought hard about like yeah. raising a child in a spiritual setting. It's yeah. like, well, I have to show him the truth and saying this is the truth. Yeah. And then once he reaches like maybe a certain age, yeah. where he is making choices on his own, mm-hmm. then it's like, okay, now you have to choose what I've taught you. Yeah. Is it going to be something that you need to choose for yourself, or are you going to deny it? I would like for you to choose Christ, right. but I want you to make it your choice, not Absolutely. a family decision. So, I know that's a lot out there, but I mean, it is a lot. But because so, so we'll go back to well, big picture salvation. Yes, doctrine of salvation. We know that it's it is your faith. It's your decision. Mm-hmm. We don't inherit Christianity. You've got the best Christian parents in the world, but it's still your choice to follow Christ or not. Um, so it's not something that we inherit, um, but our family does can have a great, great, wonderful influence. Um, so since we know it's not inherited, it's not something, salvation is not based on, you know, the color of your skin. It's not based on the language that you speak or where you were born. Salvation is you know, your decision. Am I going to accept God's free gift of the salvation free will. or not? And so since we know that to be true, then we say, okay, so now that happened in my life. There was a day when I said, yes, I need Jesus. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to live for him. And I've continually said, yes, I'm going to keep following Jesus. Uh, and when I've messed up, I come back. You know, I'm going to keep following Jesus. Um, since we know that's true, we think, okay, well, but I wish it was automatically uh, given to my children. Yeah. But it's not. It's not often. So, yeah, because we want them to have their faith. Um, kind of like, uh, you know, the, the illustration that they use about the three chairs. You heard of it? Heard mm-hmm. that before? So you got the, you got the three chairs, you got your great grandparent generation. 
parent generation and the children's generation. And so you have the first generation of the grandparents, they've experienced God. So we go back to this in Deuteronomy, you know, when they uh, were hearing God's voice thundering in the mountains, you know. Those people, they experienced God for themselves. Now, we know what happened later, that second generation, that second chair, they heard stories about God. They knew about him. They knew that their parents had experienced God. And they believed in him too, but they hadn't experienced him. But then by the time it gets to the next generation of the kids, their grandparents knew God. Their parents knew about God. That second, that last generation, they don't care. They don't care about that God. Do you think we're in that generation? Every generation is. Every generation, so we really? Want, what we want to do oh, okay. is we want to become the first year by having our own faith. We want our kids, and it's not my own illustration. I, I, I know, wish it was it's, mine. It's good, though. It's good. <laughs> yeah. And um, I think it was Wilkerson, so you can look it up. It's really cool. But we want everybody to move to the first year to where we have, I have my experience with God, my faith in God. And I want my kids to also move to the first year and not base their life on my faith. Like we're up here at this youth camp that's been here for 40-something years. Um, I had great experiences here growing up in the 80s and 90s. You had great experiences growing up here in another decade. And so uh, different than when I grew up here. We've all had different experiences up here. Now my children are here and they're experiencing. I want them to have their own experience. I don't want them, me to tell the stories of what happened at this camp, but the people that I met, the prayers that I prayed, the commitments I made to Jesus. Um, that's important. That's why I'm here. Um, it's, for, it's for them, you know. Um, it's for them to have their own relationship with God. Does that make sense? And so with children, we think about, can you, the question you asked, can children should we teach children theology? Yeah. Can they understand doctrine? Do doctrine just means truth. So can children understand truth? Yeah. They, we teach them what's wrong with steel. We teach them that, you know, if you touch this stove, it is hot. You know, they, we teach them the truth. We teach them, you know, don't run out into the road. My we son hasn't them. learned that yet. Yeah, so we teach them true. We, teach, we want to teach them the things that are true. They can understand that kind of stuff. So basic things about God, like... God loves you. God is powerful. God can do anything. God hears your prayers. Those are very basic, mm -hmm. but very powerful. And if a child can get that at a young age, even before they're saved, I'll go back and go back to your question but earlier, but even in their, in their new faith, as they're a new, a new believer, if they give their life to Christ at a young age, they get that now. That God really can do anything. I can pray to Him about anything. That ch will change their life. Mm -hmm. Of the stuff that they're going to go through, the situations they're going to face, the problems that are going to come their way. That's just part of being human. Yeah. But knowing that there really is a God that loves them. There is a devil who hates them. There is an afterlife, and what happens in that afterlife is based on how. Well, the decisions I make today, mm -hmm. you know, the decisions I make in this life, am I going to choose Jesus or not? But some of the basic things you start, you can absolutely teach it. You can teach a young child, mm -hmm. 
you know, even, you know, with pictures, uh, I just show my picture, you know, pictures of the sky or even, you know, beautiful night like tonight. I was looking at the stars um, up here in the mountain, a whole lot different than in Chattanooga. That's true. <laughs> so, and, you know, you can just, you know, so you can talk to a, talk to a small child and look, say, look what God made. Look how, awesome, look how awesome God is. Little things like that, um, they can understand. I think uh, to quote Jonathan Locklear, uh, I didn't mean to cut you off, Matthew, but to quote Jonathan Locklear from a previous uh, episode of Interview, yeah. he said that Scripture is shallow enough for a child to play in and deep enough to drown a whale. Mm. And I think that holds true because I think a lot of times, like, I love diving deep into the heart oh, stuff, you know, yeah. ethics and philosophy yeah. and stuff like yeah. that. And that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I can get over my head real quick. Yeah. But some of this stuff, I, I think there's, there's sometimes that we can kind of say, well, how how great I am to, to learn all these things. Yeah, yeah. When we forget about the young children, we forget yeah. about them. Yeah. And I started somewhere. Yeah. You know, you, you started somewhere, Matthew mm-hmm. started somewhere. Absolutely. So you can't forget about the kids. Yeah. And yeah. the simple truths yeah. are like the, the, the cornerstones of the foundation of our faith. Mm. You know, so I think that's, that's vitally important. Yeah. I was wanting to throw a curveball myself at you. Uh, even though the, the scripture that D6 is based upon does uh, involve like bringing your children up in scriptural knowledge, and we've been focusing on the children right now, let's not forget that D6 does offer a curriculum for all different age groups, right. including those that are much more advanced than age. Yeah. It isn't just like uh, babies, kids, preteens, and teens. No, it goes well into uh, yeah. adults without kids, adults with kids, and I believe there's some mm-hmm. advanced ones beyond that. So one one thing that personally weighs pretty heavy on my heart uh, and has been for quite a while is that we just discussed like people saying oh my my child is too young to learn theology in my experience just about every age group to a depressing percentage just doesn't care about theology like once you throw that word out there eyes glaze over ears turn off and like well if it if it's not in my, my King James version of the Bible, then yeah. I'm not interested in it. Yeah. No offense yeah. to the King James yeah. lovers out there, but I mean, let's be honest, the stereotype rings true. Right. So what what would you say to, to those that, that thirst for, for knowledge, want to get into like theological tomes and start uh, discussing more complex uh, concepts, but then they go to the elders of the church, they go to, to people that they respect within their community, and they just get shut down because that's just, that's not seen as something that should matter. Right, right. I think it's you're talking about curriculum now, yeah. like what you're learning in church, like what, yes. or what we're going to do. Um, you know, showing them what you're actually talking about, and even using different words. If they don't like the word doctrine or theology, don't use the words doctrine and theology. Say, so, you know, you know, we're we're wanting to learn the Bible, you know, and that's what it is. <laughs> well, yeah. well, and so, know. and so, yeah, and so that's what we're doing. We're not trying to become, you know liberal or you know whatever ex- other extreme you're wanting to go either we're not become legalistic either but we want to just learn what the bible has taught us what god has taught us throughout the the you know from the very beginning and so going back to the basics i think that's one of the reasons that the script that basic scripture talks about children it helps us to keep it simple you know, kind of like the new testament says that too yeah the new testament says you know that, that we need to come to him come to god like children you know, Jesus said, let the children come to me. We need to have faith as a child. Um, Jesus made Christianity very simple. Have you ever read the, uh, Rob Morgan's book, Simple? Yeah, it's that's great. Yeah, it's great. And so Jesus, it was, it's not easy 
We know Christianity is not easy. But Jesus did all the work to make it simple. All we have to do is believe. And so that's one thing that I think D6 philosophy and family ministry overall, uh, generational ministry, keeping it simple enough to where you can have a conversation to with someone who's a brand new believer or someone who's been a Christian for 50 years, saying, we, you know, we want to grow in our faith, biblically-based learning, um, what we've seen, what we're doing, not just you know through Sunday school, but all types of ways. But um, we want to learn more and more about God. But it is a biblical learning puzzle. We're talking about biblical theology, not just philosophy that we're sitting around making up. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, so I don't, I, mean, I don't use the word do, uh, doctrine and theology a lot now when I preach. Yeah. We have a mostly younger crowd at my church, young adults, young families, um, middle-aged. Uh, we don't have that many that are um, that are elderly. And so, but I don't even I don't use that word. I talk about, use the word truth, you know, a lot. It's the same thing. You know, and, and, and uh, even though I don't really like the word law that much either, but um, I used to like the word truth. That's what it is. Well, now you're putting a conviction on me. Yeah. Yeah, because I know, my, me personally, I, I do love big words. Yeah. And I love the ologies and I love yeah. all this stuff in philosophical terms. Yeah. But I know I've I've had someone say that they've, they've heard me speak sometimes and they said, well, you just sound like you're arrogant. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, well... And I mean that hurts, right? You know, I'm trying. I, I do this without love, and you know, I, yeah. I try to preach. And you know, especially when you're preaching at different places, <clears throat> right? You got to know your audience. Yeah. yeah. And like preaching at a backwoods church, mm-hmm. you can't preach the same as you would as an in-town, uh, yeah. bigger right. church. Right. So I mean, you got to know your audience. But I, I totally see where you get. I, I to, and then to me, that's put a conviction on me. It's like, well, maybe I just need to stick to the simplicity of certain things. Yeah. And so. Yeah. I like the Christianese, yeah. but yet maybe I just need to stick away. Yeah. yeah, I mean, at what point does theology and doctrine and insert another four-syllable word here just become a buzzword for <laughs> the thing that I like to study? So that, that's a good point because, I mean, whether you call it theology, whether you call it doctrine, whether you call it law, whether you call it truth, um, in my opinion, just from personal experience, like when you start getting into that, if you have a passion for Christ, you're going to want to pursue more knowledge. Absolutely. So really, it's just a matter of getting people's foot through the door. And I, I, I mean, personally, I didn't think about the fact that just using a word that is unfamiliar to people might turn them off from it. It's not that they don't want to learn theology. They just they don't want to. That word yeah. scares them off. Yeah. And maybe that's okay. There are other words to describe the same thing, and yeah. if that's what it takes to get their foot in the door and realize, hey, there's more that I can learn. If we truly care about discipleship, I mean, maybe we should be looking internally within ourselves. I mean, uh, is it, oh, man, I think it's Paul. He says, you know, you should you know, check yourselves. Absolutely. You know, internally yeah. look at yourself and, and see. Absolutely. Look at your heart and yeah. how you're presenting. So and maybe I want, I'm yeah. teaching it a selfishness mm. because I like what, I, what yeah. I'm reading. Because as, as I'm sure as teachers know, and when you're studying something, and Matthew can attest to this, when you're studying something and you see something that blows your mind, right. you're just ready. Absolutely. You're yeah. ready to teach it. Yeah. But then you, you got to make that uh, – you got to transition it to something yeah. that you're you're trying to teach it to. Like exactly. I know Matthew talked about like when he studied the Elohim mm-hmm. type of a study. Right. And it blew his, you know, the way that he viewed God. Absolutely. And yeah. how do you translate that to a teaching moment to someone mm-hmm. that hasn't 
yeah. reach that point right. yet. And usually what I would, what I do personally as a teacher and preacher is I go back to how Jesus taught. He was the master teacher. Mm-hmm. And he made things very simple. Big concepts. I mean, he didn't dumb it down. He didn't teach like to, he didn't teach childish things. He taught deep life changing things that changed the world. Yeah. When he taught us about the kingdom of God, uh, but he would use uh, this example of a mustard seed or look at that plant over there. Or, you, know, <laughs> uh, you know, when this, this people these people are yelling at this woman for some reason. Let's go see what they're doing. And he draws something in the sand. Mm-hmm. You know, he makes it very simple. Like at myself, I, I I'm in a series right now about mm-hmm. salvation. Um, I'm call, I called it. I got saved. What's that? <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so, I just thought, what happened at the moment you were saved? Yeah. Now, and what we're talking about, uh, like, like the last episode um, about Adam preparing to teach about the law and about, uh, about what that meant, and the how do we talk about the sawdust on the floor, the scraps, the wood yeah. scraps, you know, what are some things that we cut out of, cut out when we're preparing to preach? You know, the main thing I'm using is a couple, few different commentaries, but. Um, preparing for that sermon series, I'm using a doctrine book from seminary. That's you know the chapter is soteriology. Mm-hmm. You know, and my first you know lesson well is what salvation is not. So I went through some of those things. You know, it's not works. It's yeah. not inherited. That type of thing. And the second uh, first lesson was on redemption, and I didn't start out. I didn't entitle it redemption. Uh, you know, because that's already a kind of a big word. We sort of know what that means and the way we talk. But, um, you know, I said um, that your debt has been paid in full. Mm-hmm. So that's so we started with that. It sort of just explained how we had a sin debt to God and we were enslaved to Satan. Mm-hmm. We were enslaved uh, to sin. When we were enslaved to this worldly system, yeah. and God, Jesus, when He died on the cross, He redeemed us. Now that's a very deep subject. Yeah. And but it took time. It would be a whole lot easier just to quote it or read right out of my theology textbook that I used years ago in school. But that's not going to reach the audience. I'm preaching to a Sunday morning audience. But I want, I want them to learn the deep truth. We have to figure out a way to do it, and that takes a time, practice. It takes, you know, really takes a long time to prepare a sermon and um, to, 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 to do that. So it sounds like the way that you've kind of described that a little bit, it sounds like discipleship in, in, in its, in, is inherently uh, constantly changing through generations. Mm-hmm. So it's like obviously the words that my great-great-grandparents would use about yeah. discipleship Right, maybe redemption was a, like an right. pro- appropriate term yeah. to use, but now it's like, well, how can that? How can we make that more uh, tasteful instead of yeah. a, a bitter word? Like that's just not tasteful to me. Yeah. Uh, and then, who knows what 20, 30 years down the road, like what's going to be different? Yeah. Maybe it'll flip back around. Redemption yeah. be be tasteful. Maybe. So that's why it's important to have a good knowledge of what it is. Mm-hmm. And that's a good thing about Christians is that we're good at writing things down. Yeah. And sc- scholars, uh, preachers, teachers like to be published and they like to just pass things down to other to the next generation, um, which goes back to the model. Yeah. Teaching that you're preparing the next generation, and so we have the writings. I mean, you can go. We have the writings of the early church fathers. You know, right after yeah. Jesus, we still have things that they were thinking about. 
the things that they would meet about. And they had councils. Justin they would Martyr talk. and Polycarp. Man. Yeah, exactly. Great guys. I know them. I don't know them. So we have that. That's a that's awesome. Yeah. Because it also lets us know that we don't have to reinvent the wheel. We don't have to have this discussion all over again because Christians have already had this discussion. There's some things that we know are true, you know. And real, like one of the simple things is the, the 66 books, the canon of the Bible. It's interesting to look at other, you know, extra biblical books, what was out there, what do people, you know, maybe think that might have been scripture, maybe not, what did early Christians read. Um, but we know... We believe that the Word of God has preserved His Word. Mm-hmm. It's without error. Um, he, that's the way He's communicated to us. And so we believe that about the Bible. And so we don't have that discussion all over again. The Christianity Christians have already done that. Uh, so we, we know those are the 66 books that we have are scripture. That's just mm-hmm. one example. We've already, they've already had the discussion, so we don't have to go and have a big, huge council of you know, a representative from every denomination to, hey, let's talk about publishing a new Bible. Yeah. You know, and let's pick out uh, what about you know what about the, that other book, uh, the Gospel of Thomas. What are we gonna do about it? Oh, you bless. know, what are we gonna do about the you know? We don't have to talk about that. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. We can look at some of that, but not making the decisions. We're not re because truth is truth. Yeah. Does that make sense? I, 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 the, what we talked about a little bit yesterday about mm-hmm. the carpenter, that fantastic illustration, and I just thought mm-hmm. of something else, and mm-hmm. you, it, you've already encouraged me enough. Mm-hmm. Like, no offense, listener, but this is this conversation's for me. I mean, you know, but... <laughs> well, I'm enjoying it, too. Uh, but with the carpenter thing, yeah. you know, as you're preparing a sermon yeah. or a lesson of some form or fashion, yeah. you're, you're chiseling off certain things that wouldn't be appropriate. You're, you're, yeah. you know, you're putting effort into something that's molding directly to, but the thing, yes. let's say that a carpenter does cut off half of a project. like, well, I'm not going to use that. But then he uses that certain thing that they cut off for something else. Mm-hmm. It may be for a different sermon, but then it might be for his own home. All right. So that own project could be something, well, that's just something I enjoy yeah. deep about. So I think that's encouraging because, I mean, just like we, like I said earlier, it's like the, the stuff that, like the deep stuff. Yeah. You know, I, I love oh, the Hebrew it. and, yeah, and absolutely. the Greek and stuff. Yeah. But then probably majority mm-hmm. of Christians don't care. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. it's like, well, I'll just take that, that gym for myself. Yeah. And to those that will listen yeah. or are interested, maybe I'll yeah. express that. So, I mean, I, I, I definitely, I've been encouraged already yeah. for sure. And that's interesting when you get in a context, whether, you know, you're at a new church or your church is changing or you're getting in a new small group or, or you got a family, you have, whether it's your children or extended family, you're talking to other adults in your family or your parents, grandparents, whoever is in your group. Um, you see what they're interested in. People really are curious. You know, they mm-hmm. want to know more about things. And so, like one example, what I do, um, what I typically would do in our local church is I'll preach on Sunday, and then on Wednesday I'll say, let's go a little bit deeper about what we talked about Sunday, mm-hmm. and I'll pull out something different. And some of those scraps from the floor, yeah. you know, that's good stuff. And maybe just one point, you know, just one little thing, and uh, and it really hits home. And it could hit home with some somebody that they didn't really even care about the sermon Sunday didn't make that big a difference but when I re-explain it a different way or just focus on one point um, on Wednesday and we maybe have a discussion because it's a smaller group that's life changing 
people like it. And be like, don't freak them out, though. If I say, you know, hey, we're having a new, st- a new sermon series on biblical theology, you know, like, hey, I'm going to stay home and watch TV, <laughs> watch a t- you know, somebody else on live stream. Um, but I think definitely all about wording, how, how you word it. Cause people are interested. People want to know. I wanna, nobody wants to be stupid. Nobody wants to be ignorant. Nobody says, yeah, I just love not knowing what's going on. <laughs> you know? uh, they want to they know, and they wanna, but also they have to learn it at their level. But we also have to respect people, that people aren't idiots. Yeah. Um, and just because they don't know certain words just means that they just haven't learned that yet. You know what I mean? And, but is that our job? Some of it is. Some of it you do. We do need to teach these, you know, terms, what, what, these doctrinal truths, things like that. Um, but you can't throw it all out there at once. Uh, talking about uh, approaching like different individuals in the church, making sure that you're on their level and giving them uh, topics and concepts that they're able to digest. I think that's a, a good a good a time as any to segue and circle back around to the D6 literature. Uh, one of the, the main features and really the foundation of D6 that I found fascinating, because personally I was introduced to this last year by you, yeah. and it right about blew my mind, because yeah. I was like, why on earth is my church not doing this? Yeah. Turned out my, my church was doing it a little bit, and I was like, oh, yeah. well, goodness, get my age group in on this. Yeah. Um, is the, was it the Family Integrated Church, I believe is what it's called? Yeah. Uh, well, goodness, I, I won't do it justice. Could you could you explain, like, essentially what it looks like for a church to be completely all in on the D6 program and what you see as being beneficial coming okay. out of that? All right, that's a, that's a good question. Um, D6 respects the different views of family integration, um, intergenerational um, ministry, worship, learning, uh, but we do see that segmented discipleship learning works well. That we, that we do have Sunday school, mm-hmm. that teaching a preschooler is a whole lot different than teaching a college-age student. And so it's important to have a blend. And so that's why you have the entire church learning the same theme, but they're learning it at their level. Does that make sense? And so um, that's on purpose. When you're talking about learning the same theme, uh, are we talking like same scriptures? Like what's what's the setup of this? It could be, could be. And uh, these six curriculum actually is making it. We're launching a new curriculum in the fall, which this isn't a commercial. Um, so, <laughs> Not so it's, yeah, Not yeah. But uh, we do have a new curriculum line. We're revamping the curriculum. These six at home, and we're really focusing on how to send up do the discipleship at Good home. Good timing. Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, and we've had to do that out of necessity during the crisis. And it's been interesting seeing churches were church buildings were closed, so we, we were wondering well, what our parents going to do, what our couples going to do. Are they going to continue? Are they just going to take a break from church for a few months? You know what we're we going to do. And so it's been interesting now that people are starting to meet again. Of course, not every church is meeting again yet, but just sort of seeing what they're doing. Um, but having the D6 model where we've already sent a lot home. There was enough there that, that if the excuse was I can't teach my kids because I don't have time to, well, that can't be an excuse anymore because we've had a lot of extra time yeah. <laughs> these past few months. Um, and 
that we have the resources. And if you've been at church for any amount of time, you have a lot of resources. You've been taught a lot. Um, so we, we can. We can pass the faith down at home. But there's a partnership that our, our goal would be is for the church to train the parents and the parents to disciple their children. Now that's the ideal, but we know that it's most people aren't going to, most churches aren't going to get there, but that's our goal. That's the goal. That's the ideal. Just like you have an ideal family of, you know, mom and dad, biological mom and dad and kids, but that ideal family is not the norm. Yeah. And but we respect that too. We know that God has used all types of family models, even through, throughout Scripture, not just of great people coming out of all types of different family models, but even discipleship. Because you can see a traditional family model of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. You see a dad teaching a son, teaching a son. Um, you can see um, non-traditional families of like uh, you know Timothy and his mother, grandmother. You know, how he was, uh, you know, and Paul said, that's great. <laughs> you know, you have wonderful, uh, you've been taught. You uh, taught by your grandmother and your mother. Uh, we applaud that. We see even the Old Testament with Mordecai and, uh, uh, and Esther. That, that was another family, a distant family relationship, like a cousin, an uncle, you know. Now, he discipled, he was important in the spiritual development and um of, of, of Esther. So you see that family model. You see an adopted family model uh, with the Apostle Paul and some of the younger ministers that he mentored, uh, like Titus. You see that he would mentor them. And get my, my son in the faith. And the, 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 Bible's, the Bible applauds all, all models of family, uh, saying, you know, the, God can use that. So how have how has D6 taken the, the, that there is different types of families, mm -hmm. different models of families, mm -hmm. and how has D6, uh, or let's just say you, yeah. in, in the sense, how, how should we approach that? Because, I mean, right. not every family is the same. Right. You yeah. know, so we talk about family. I know that, you know, everyone says, you know, family, family, you know, mom, dad, that's been married, and they, yeah. you know, that, and, and uh unfailable love, you know, yeah. all this stuff. But then there's like, well, there's single moms everywhere. Right. There's, you know, grandmas that are taking care of their kids. So yeah. how do you minister to them as well in church? Because that's got to be discouraging to go to a church and says, we're all about, you know, the family, family. Mm -hmm. But then it's like, in their mind, they're thinking the model family is a, a mom and a dad right. that have no marital problems. Yeah, yeah. So how, yeah. how has have you approached that, or has D6 approached that? Both, yeah, D6 and and in my in my church that we do, we be intentional about communicating that, just like I did, and um, when I explained the different family ministry models mm -hmm. that were in the Bible already, um, say the word family is not a bad word, and it really goes to the heart of God because God exists as we understand him as Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that God exists. And, of course, I guess you could say that's community also. But um, but God exists as family. He When he created Adam, you know, created the world, he created Adam and Eve, uh, a family. The first human institution was a family. So family is not a bad thing. So I think helping to communicate that, that when church, I think people think when churches say the word family, maybe they think we're being... Um, uh, stuck up, you know, saying, "Oh, we only we only recognize the traditional family." You know, the, what, what's a traditional family? I mean, you go just 
a couple of chapters into the Bible and you see that family, <laughs> there's all kinds of families and that's okay. God uses that. And, um, and that's, that's, a wonder, that's a wonderful thing. It was just a few episodes ago that we had to end our episode on a bunch of plugs because we kind of fell behind on letting the, the audience know where to find us in, in different areas in social media. Uh, we're going to do kind of the same thing today, but not out of forgetfulness, uh, <laughs> out of our interviewee being someone who's going to start a podcast of their own. Uh, Adam, I believe, is going to be starting a podcast called the Every Pastor Podcast, so we're going to take this opportunity to plug it prematurely, yeah, maybe, yeah, because yeah. It, it doesn't exist yet, but it right. will be coming. So uh, first off, Adam, if you could give us just a short explanation on what the Every Pastor Podcast is going to be about. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I'm a, a friend of mine, another pastor, uh, Brandon Johns at uh, First Baptist Church, uh, Saudi Daisy. We're uh, starting a new podcast called Every Pastor Podcast, and it's uh, dealing with practical day-to-day, week-to-week things, decisions that pastors make. Most churches are smaller. Um, less than a hundred people. Most church, most pastors are solo pastors, and so really, it's hard to, to throw ideas around when you're just talking to yourself. And so, we want to have a, have a podcast that helps people think through things, but also give lots of resources to them and things that we would research, and even people they can look up uh, websites, uh, different. Uh, just who to go to, what web, where to go to find information, so they can uh, answer some questions for some of the practical day-to-day things. So we talked, we talked about the different titles for the podcasts. Small church podcast was one of them, but average average pastor podcast was one. <laughs> and I thought, well, well, above average, you know. But but then we started thinking about every pastor. That there's some things that are that are every because it's it's. Uh, something that there are many things that every pastor thinks about. You know, we think, you know, we see our, some of our pastor friends, say, starting a blog or see our pastor friends, especially the past couple months, now they're on Facebook Live. How did you do that? You know, and then how did you set that up without being able to get together? Because we were all social distancing. And so we're hoping to have some very practical things that could help people, help all uh, pastors or people who are interested in ministry, ministry leaders, um, people who are active in local church. um, Look at some just some day to day things uh, about this. Because church is a big deal, you know, especially in America, but really around the world. And people don't think about the behind-the-scenes stuff of church. But um, it's not easy to run a church. It's not easy to be a pastor. And um, so we want to provide a lot of help to pastors. So every uh, every pastor podcast is what we are starting uh, soon. And so you can check us out on social media. And we hope to get the first few episodes out in the next few weeks. Yep, That's great to offer that th- those resources especially for free in that yeah. podcasting realm uh, I mean I'm personally a strong advocate for getting podcasts out there I mean I love mm-hmm. podcasts uh, listen Not to them myself yeah. and I mean let's be honest they're, they're a dime a dozen mm-hmm. they're, they're easy to start and if you have a genuine uh, calling within your heart if you feel the Lord's impressing on you do that I mean why not Yeah. I mean I think it's 
I think that we as Christians, we ought to be cultural leaders. Mm-hmm. And especially in the past several decades, and I guess some could argue the last couple centuries, depending mm-hmm. on how you want to look at it, we've, we've really fallen short. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's about time that we, we figure out what, what technology has to offer Absolutely. the world, especially uh, from a Christian worldview. Uh, but Adam, I enjoyed talking to you. Yeah, I enjoyed talking you. to you last time. Yeah, this, thank you for the invitation. Well. I've enjoyed it. It's yeah. been great. Thank you very much. Yeah. We'll end the episode the same way we always do. Peace out.